Well, you may recall um, a couple of months ago we were in Toronto, Canada. We were part of the uh, Eruv Hatzalah campaign, a really successful morning and day that we spent up in Toronto, and we had an amazing journey. The journey started um, with actually a rumor that we heard about a gentleman that collects everything having to do with Theodore Herzl. And we spent um, about an hour, literally at the very early part of our trip, at the home of David Matlow. That is where the exhibit lives. That is where the collection is. And uh, he gave us the most amazing tour and a real history lesson, uh, whatever you could do in an hour. Frankly, about 10, 10 to 15 hours is probably necessary to go through everything <laughs> that he has related to uh, Theodore Herzl. And uh, we said that when he gets to New York, we must speak with him, get him in studio, talk about this unique collection and uh, in fact, here he is today. David Matlow, Collecting the Dream, is the name of the book that he has uh, given us as a beautiful gift, a remembrance, a token of our visit up to his exhibit in Toronto. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Before we discuss the why, how does one begin a Herzl collection? Well, my collection began with an item that was in my grandparents' home in Ramad Gan. They... They were originally from Belarus, but then moved to Toronto and and raised a family, including my father. And when the state of Israel was born, 1948, they wanted to fulfill their dream and moved to Israel and bought a home in Ramad Gan, where we used to visit in the 60s in the summertime. And in their home was a poster of Theodore Herzl that was framed and put in a prominent place in their home. And when my grandmother died in 1991. I asked that for my Yerusha, and um, and it was given to me. And when I opened it up to reframe it, it happened to have been a free giveaway poster from the Haaretz in 1960 on the occasion of Herzl's 100th birthday. But my grandparents felt so strongly about Herzl that they put it in a, a beautiful frame and, and had it in a prominent spot. That was item one in my collection. I since have 5,000 more items, but that's how it all started. Of the 5,000, is there one category that dominates? Is there one type of item uh, that you have more than others? Interestingly, I have several hundred postcards with Herzl's image on it. And so picture you're in the late 1800s or the early 1900s and you go into a, a variety store, a bodega in, in Minsk or <laughs> Moscow or somewhere, and you want to send a note to a friend. And there are a series of postcards with Her Theodore Herzl's pictures picture on it and in many variations. So I have several hundred different ones, including uh, his children, pictures of his mother. He was a celebrity and... And so uh, the way that people would know about him and show their affinity for him was to have things with his picture on it, and then they would send it to help spread the message. So I have albums, a shelf of albums with Theodore Herzl postcards. David Matlow is here. Uh, it must have been a, uh, a struggle deciding what to put in this book, in this keepsake that you created for people, because obviously you're only featuring, I assume, I don't know, 50, 100 items in here. Correct. In putting together the book, I wanted to include items that many people would not have seen. There are very few collectors out there, um, but there are a number of items that would be a regular item that, that people would have, a coin, a banknote. There, there have been many over the years, so I tried to pick the most unique ones to showcase it to the world, some of the things that I have that 
people wouldn't otherwise have seen but for the book? Um, we discussed the how. I go back to the why, although you may have already explained part of the why. Um, it, it, it seems, I don't know, unusual, different, that someone would be obsessed with one personality, especially in Jewish history. Yet it seems that, uh, aside from yourself, there are many others who have this, I don't know, this affinity, this connection, this, this you know, love as much as one can, can love one they never knew, you know, for Herzl. Um, there are a lot of young people in this audience who may have only heard the name Herzl for the first time this morning. Can you give us a brief bio and explain why you think he's such an important figure to people like yourself, myself, and others? Well, the headline, of course, is he's the visionary of the state of Israel. Um, they At some a time s- when there was no state. Correct. So we're, young people don't realize. That. Right. So we're talking about he, he was born in 1860, died in 1904, and only became interested in Zionism in 1896. So dedicated the last eight years of his life to this cause. Yes, 115 years later, we're still talking about him. And his idea basically was a response to the anti-Semitism that he was seeing in Europe at the time. He was deathly afraid that the Jews of Europe were living on borrowed time. And now we know that he was right, and he was righter than even he could have imagined. It was much worse than he had feared. And his idea was, in order for the Jews to be safe, that we as the Jewish people are entitled to our own home, just like any other nation. The Italians have Italy, and the Greeks have Greece, and the Jewish nation is entitled to their own home as a safe refuge to, uh, from the anti-Semitism that he saw in Europe. And what's remarkable about him is he was able to accomplish his ideas and spread the word in a time where there was no internet. The telephone had just been invented. There was no airline travel. And yet he um, galvanized the Jewish world. Not everyone, because there were those who thought he was crazy and who, who thought that this was heretical. But over time, he captured more and more of the imagination of the Jewish people, and it was really based on an idea, the strength of an idea, somebody having a good idea, but more than having a good idea. And this is what distinguishes Herzl from his predecessors like Leon Pinsker and Moshe Hess, who also had a similar idea. Herzl went out and did something about it. He convened a Zionist, Zionist congresses for people to meet and discuss this issue. He created a Jewish bank called the Jewish Colonial Trust, now the Bank Lumi, to help fund this enterprise. He established the World Zionist Organization, a democratic organization with constituent parts all over the world, which still exists, and really began the process to put in the infrastructure and the institutions of a Jewish state, which ultimately was created. In the first Zionist Congress in 1897, he wrote in his diary, "If I today I created the Jewish state. And if I said that out loud now, people would think I'm crazy. But in five years, and certainly in 50 years, people will know I'm right. He wrote this in August of 1897. The UN Partition Resolution, which is when the United Nations resolved to provide, to create the Jewish state, which became Israel, was 50 years and a couple months later, and Israel declared independence, May 1948, 50 years and nine months later. And so it all starts with an idea, 
and with a dream and acting to make it happen. Unbelievable. What a, what a great uh, assessment. Um, also, he had a, a prolific writing ability, which, which also lent itself to the to the effort, right? When one can communicate, especially in writing in those days, in a really effective way, that's only going to help the cause along, right? Correct. It started with his writing of the book, The Judenstadt, The the Jewish State, which was published in February of 1896. Uh, And that was really a primer, how to go about creating the Jewish State, what to do, what are the mechanics and the steps. In 1902, he wrote a novel, Old Neuland, Old New Land, which described Herzl's vision of what the state of Israel would look like, or it wasn't called the state of Israel, but the Jewish state would look like 20 years hence in 1902. He didn't live to see it because he died in 1904. But interesting, Alt-Neuland was translated by Nachum Sokolov as Tel Aviv. Tel being an architectural site, which is old, Aviv being spring, which we're enjoying now, which is new, and so, and this was in 1902, the city of Tel Aviv was created in 1909. The city of Tel Aviv is named after Herzl's book. And in addition to those books, he was a prolific writer, corresponded um, by letter, old-fashioned way, and, um, and was also the editor of a newspaper which he, which he bought. It was called Die Welt, or Ha'olam, The World, as well, in order to fund much of this, he was a journalist for a Viennese newspaper, and he kept that job the, this whole time to help pay for, for this. He, he essentially bankrupted his family by the investment he made on behalf of the Jewish people in fulfilling his dream. Unbelievable. And I remind everybody what you said earlier. He passed away at the age of 44, much younger than either of us, and accomplished a great deal in those what we would now refer to as short number of years. Um, people need to keep that in mind. His remains are in Israel. In fact, uh, Har Herzl, Mount Herzl, is generally regarded as a pretty prominent place in Israel. That's correct. He wrote in his will that when he dies, he wants to be buried in a metal casket. And, of course, the Jewish people traditionally are buried in a, in a talit or a wooden casket. Uh, but he asked for to be buried in a metal casket, and his will specifically said, when the Jewish state that I have envisioned will be created, I want to be reburied there. And after independence, May 1948, there was a war to fight. There was a lot of things to do as first priorities, but it was in August of 1949. So not much after the creation of the state of Israel that David Ben-Gurion and the Knesset resolved to fulfill Herzl's last wish. And he was buried on Har Herzl, August 1949. And this was a momentous occasion uh, in the life of the young state. Almost half the Jewish population of Israel came to see his remains, either lying in state in Tel Aviv or in the Jewish agency building in Yerushalayim, or when it went on the highways between those places. And that was ultimately the fulfillment uh, of his wish. And there was, in my collection... There's a cover page of the Marif, and the headline is Hinehuba. He's coming. He's coming back. And 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 yes, and that that ultimately became Har Herzl, which is a a, a prominent uh, state site, a ceremonial sure. and memorial site. Imtir Tzu Enzo Agada. How would you translate it? Well, literally, it means if you will it, it is no dream. 
but but more generally, that statement is not limited to creations of Jewish states because we have <laughs> we have one. We only have one. Our job is to preserve it and nurture it and to love it. But it really means anything that anyone sets their mind to do can be accomplished. Standing in the shoes of Herzl in 1896 or the Jewish world in 1896, the thought of having a Jewish state was the most preposterous, ridiculous, just crazy idea anyone ever had. Yet it happened because people wanted it and worked towards it. And so the lesson of Herzl, Herzl and one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about him and, and talk about him is he should be an inspiration for everyone, not just to have an idea. Ideas are cheap. Talking about ideas, anyone can have an idea. The difference between someone who changes the world and someone who, who just has an idea is to do something about it. And in the context of, of Israel and our love for the state of Israel, we should all be doing what we can as often as we can for the benefit of the state of Israel. Herzl used his skills and talents. He was a writer and a journalist and a lawyer, and he used his skills and talents towards something he believed in, which we're all the beneficiaries of, uh, living at a time, a unique time in Jewish history where, when there is a state of Israel. And Herzl inspires me and hopefully inspires all your listeners to use their skills and talents towards this very important cause. You essentially um, mentioned that uh, one of the reasons you continue to grow your collection of uh, Herzl memorabilia and artifacts is because you want to influence people to search their own inner Herzl, right, as you describe it, that everybody has a power within them, as Herzl had, to, as you just described, not just will something but actually do something about it, and you're hoping that more and more people will look at him as an example and actually go ahead and do something good uh, whatever that goal might be. That's absolutely correct. The story of Israel is um, unfolding, it will, it, and it will always be such. And Herzl's dream was the creation of a state of Israel. And I say his dream was fulfilled, but was not com- is not yet completed. Herzl envisioned, and he said, that the goal of Zionism is not just a plot of land for the Jewish people, but to create a model society on that land. And so we're all charged with helping to create that model society. And we'll all have different views as to what that is, and that's fine. But none of us should be um, so um, uh, distanced from the goal of helping the state of Israel or be complacent because it exists, unless we care for it and nurture it and and worry about it and do things for it, um, we we run the risk of of putting it at risk. So Herzl is an everlasting mission to me to keep energized and use my skills and talents towards this very important objective. And imagine if he saw Israel today, if he saw the world coming to the feet of Israel and wanting their technology and begging them to help them solve their water problem and their and their and and and, and wanting to invest with Israel in so many different projects and the billions and billions of dollars. Imagine what he would think. The truth is, it would probably be a, a two-edged sword. In one way, he'd say, "I always envisioned this," and another way, of course, he'd be celebrating this amazing achievement. Well, he in the Alt Neuland, and it's an ist- interesting read. He did. Uh, 
envisioned a Jewish state which was democratic with a free press, of course, lots of culture and opera and, and not quite movies or TV, <laughs> um, but also um, science and electricity and innovation, as well as communal farming, which ultimately became the kibbutzim, which, right. of course, he knew a bit about it at the time. So he, in a sense, he would be, well, he would be extremely proud of what he would see, and he would be shocked because he thought what he, his idea was the solution to anti-Semitism. The Judenstadt, the Jewish state, his first book, was built as a modern solution to the Jewish problem. The Jewish problem is a euphemism for anti-Semitism. And you only have to read the newspaper or look at your um, your um, internet news services as, as early as this, as recent as this morning, to know that that challenge still exists. So he would be shocked, I believe, yeah. that there is still a conflict. This was a solution that was intended to be good for everybody and not everyone perceived it the same way at the time nor perceives it that way now but he would insist that the Jewish people like everyone else has a right to a home right and if whatever's necessary to keep that home and to keep the Jews safe in that home which was the goal of the objective would be something that that's merited to do. But no doubt he'd also realize that uh, that if, in fact, a country or an entity befriended the state of Israel and had good, proper, you know, respectful relations with Israel, they would benefit tremendously. And I think that that's part of his vision. Yeah, no question that by having this, the Jewish state, and bringing into one place the, the energy and the creativity don't mean to be arrogant, but say the Jew, the genius of the Jewish people. Right. When when we're together and able to actualize our our creativity, then amazing things will happen, which will benefit the world. He he thought, and he was right, that the Jewish state would benefit the world, and those who want to reap the benefits are welcome. And those who aren't there yet in their thinking, hopefully one day they will be. The book you write is created to honor the uh, Jewish homeland, its people, its history, and its future. And I think it's important for people to understand that, that David Matlow, you, uh, did not just collect this collection and continue to add to it because there's one fascinating personality. But it's through that first fascinating personality we learned so much about the history of Israel and really honor, as you say, the homeland and the state of Israel. And I think it's an important point. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm, I feel that I'm helping to keep him alive. If we talk about someone and think about them and learn about them, then in a sense they remain alive and their relevance continues. And Herzl's relevance can, continues because all of us can learn from him that if you have an idea and if you care about something badly enough, help to make it happen, and it can. Uh, I want to go through some of the items. I'm sure some people are curious who are tuned in about some of the things they would see if they'd walk into your home and see this exhibit. We, we are encouraging. You explain to us that uh, it's not always the best idea for someone like yourself to go out there and try to encourage uh, institutions and organizations to exhibit your exhibit. But we can encourage, after what we've seen up in Toronto, we can encourage museums and uh, JCCs and those who have a uh, who make it a habit of exhibiting amazing exhibitions uh, to contact you and to be in touch with you because I don't think anybody would be more cooperative in the effort to allow thousands and thousands of people to see this exhibit as you would be. 
It would be my pleasure. And this will be the first ever radio exhibit of my collection. <laughs> yes. Well, I did want to mention that, that even though we can't see any of these, uh, still some of the items are in- interesting to note. Many posters, pictures, and postcards, as you said earlier, right? A lot of right. those, uh, including some from the Zionist Congress, That's correct? correct. Um, you actually have a statue that comes from a building that I'm assuming was just a block or two away from here. Neat. This statue comes from the East Side Torah Center, which today is located literally a block from here. I don't know exactly where it was back then, but before the building, I assume the original building was sold, this was, um, I, I, I guess, put up for sale, right? Well, this was a, uh, it's about a two and a half feet t- tall sculpture. It is as big as I've ever seen. And it was rescued by my friend Danny Levinson, who who lives in New Jersey, and his his mission is to rescue Jewish and Zionist artifacts from institutions that are closing. So he rescued it, and I I purchased it from him. And it's interesting that the, in the classroom at the uh, at the Saitora Center there was indeed a, a significantly sized um, bust of Herzl. Really shows the affinity for Herzl. Across all kinds of uh, of swaths of our of our people, and right. and the interest in Herzl was was really quite wi- widespread, right, and, and continues to be. And well, right, correct. But things are a little bit different today. Today, there probably would not be a statue of Herzl, and frankly, there probably wouldn't be any statues right. <laughs> in an institution like that. Um, why would someone put a photo of Herzl in a bottle and sell it as a memorabilia piece? Well, that's a good question. In the book is the one and only Herzl in a bottle I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I have no idea where. I've I've posted it online to see if anyone has any idea about where this came from. I have no idea why, how, or where, but it certainly is a unique piece. There was an SS Theodore Herzl. An actual ship that was operated by the Zim Line. You have a photo of it in your book, right? Correct. And and the the SS Theodore Herzl was a time when there were when Zim was not just a cargo um, company company, but had passenger ships. And it, what's interesting about the the Theodore Herzl is after a tough day of sailing on the high seas, if you wanted to have a drink and relax, you could go to the Alt Neuland Room, <laughs> which was the name of the bar. <laughs> That's great. I wonder what the reading material was there. <laughs> Uh, plenty of medals and pins in the collection, right? You have Correct. a lot of those. I have over 100 different uh, pins and medals from the times of the Zionist Congresses through to, to within the last couple of years. And interestingly, at various times in Israel's history, when there was a momentous occasion, there would there would be a medal created with the event on one side and Herzl on the other. The opening of the new Knesset building, uh, the raid on Entebbe, uh, Israel's 20th anniversary would have those events on one side and Herzl on the other, connecting Herzl to all of these momentous occasions. Unbelievable. You have a notice from Vienna of his death uh, in July of 1904, actually of his funeral in July of 1904. Was his death sudden? It it was. So this was at a time before, obviously, the Internet, where you, where we would know hour by hour what was happening to right. a celebrity he he was a sickly person and and for the last number of years of his life he was told by his doctor slow down you're going to kill yourself if you keep up in this pace of work in his early 40s wow. in his early 40s and he he said i have too much to do before i die i've got to keep going and so he 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 died at 44 he was convalescing 
by his doctor's orders in, in a mountain town in Austria when he ultimately died. Those in the inner circle knew that he was sick, but when there was an announcement finally that he had passed away, it was a shock to the Jewish world. And, and his funeral in Vienna, based on my reading, was really quite a momentous event. And trainloads and trainloads from all around Europe filled with Jews attending his funeral really shocked the citizens of Vienna to show what a prominent person he was. They knew him as a journalist right. for the for the newspaper and that he had something to do with with the Jewish people. But when thousands and thousands of people converged upon Vienna, people realized what an important person he was. Well, you described what happened 45 years later in Israel. So That's I correct. guess uh, go back to the actual time of his death and both Jew and non-Jew were affected by his passing. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. We're speaking about Theodore Herzl with David Matlow collecting the dream. He has collected the dream with over 5,000 items in his Herzl collection, many of them are unique and different. By the way, we haven't even mentioned the Dreyfus Affair, which is interesting because I mentioned earlier that you should give a short bio for the young people out there of who Herzl was, because there's some people listening who never even heard of him. Uh, one of the episodes, if not the episode, that, that's, that frightened him into this, into this frenzy about anti-Semitism was, in fact, the Dreyfus Affair, where he was sitting as a journalist in the courtroom. Correct. The, Dreyf- the Dreyfus Affair were in 1895, so this was before he wrote the Judenstand. It's a result of the Dreyfus Affair that he wrote it, but he was covering the Dreyfus trial uh, Dreyfus was an uh, officer in the French military who was Jewish, who was wrongly uh, accused of spying for the Germans. He was convicted. Ultimately, he was uh, vindicated, and it was shown it was not him. But during the course of this trial, the population of Paris was was congregated outside the courthouse, screaming, death to the Jews. And so the anti-Semitism that obviously was percolating under the surface of French society bubbled up to the top. And that caused Herzl to, to be concerned and wonder, like, why Jews? Why is it plural? Uh, why, and, and why is he uh, just why? It, and, and so he wrote the Judenstadt. There are those who, who would suggest that Herzl was unaware of his Jewish identity before that event, and that really changed his life. Right. It changed his life in a sense. But before the Dreyfus trial, Herzl wrote a play. He was a playwright, as I said, uh, called The New Ghetto, which was about the glass ceiling and anti-Semitism in French society. And in fact, he quit his fraternity, his college fraternity, because of anti-Semitism. And he quit law. He was a lawyer, and he quit law to become a journalist because Jews couldn't be judges in Austria at the time and he wanted to be a judge. But the Dreyfus trial really inspired him to go and do something about it. As I said, he sequestered himself in a hotel in Paris called the Hotel Castile, which I've been at, and there's a plaque on the street saying, in this hotel, the Jewish state was written, though it says that in French and in Hebrew. <laughs> and so the, this... There are, are mementos of his life spread out around Europe. This was a real guy, put on his pants one leg at a time, uh, just like you and me, but he accomplished great things. Theo, the Herzl mascot. Do you own the Herzl mascot? Yes, or not? I commissioned Theo, a, a mascot, 
from a company in Calgary because I read in the newspaper and I was very proud because and I know you were at the Super Bowl. The same company did the um, did the mascots for both teams that were competing in the Super Bowl. And I posted on Facebook that this is uh, Herzl's closest connection to the Super Bowl because the same company that made those mascots made Theo. Theo has appeared in the uh, Celebrate Israel Parade three times. And this year was invited to the Israel Embassy in Washington to celebrate their Hanukkah party. Unbelievable. You have a Herzl pocket knife. You have a... uh playbill from a Broadway play called Herzl. This was in the a, 1970s there was a Broadway play called Herzl. Correct. And you may not have heard of it because it only had six showings. Um and the script I saw it's in the muse- it's in the library at Lincoln Center cuz they have a um, um, collection of all the scripts. So yes, so that's the playbill um for that show. So Herzl made it on Broadway. Uh, but only for a few um, performances. You have a Herzl pocket watch. You have uh, uh, you have um, uh, Herzl Junior College commencement program. Where's Herzl Junior? Well, College? so that's a very uh, interesting story. There is a school in Chicago in North Lawndale, and a hundred years ago, North Lawndale was called Little Jerusalem. It was the this where much of the Jewish population of Chicago lived and there were a hundred synagogues within a one mile radius of this school. Um, and it was named Theodore Herzl at the request of the Jewish community of Chicago at the time made of the Chicago public school system. It was a regular public school in the intervening 100 years, the Jewish population of Chicago moved to Skokie and Oak park and other places. And it's now, um, a distressed community, Hispanic and African American community. Yet the school is still named the Theodore Herzl Public School. <laughs> and the students there, it's now part of the AUSL, Alternative Urban School Leadership, where, uh, where a new um, administration took over the school about six years ago to really inspire the kids in that community to learn. Because through education is how lives can be changed. And so uh, the kids wear uniforms with Herzl on it, and I've been there five times telling the kids in the school who Herzl is named after. An interesting Martin Luther King, when he came from the South to, to work to work on fairness and housing, lived a couple blocks away from the school. Mm. And in the ethos of the school, Herzl is like a Martin Luther King in that both were visionaries who tried to improve the condition of their people. A couple years ago, the principal of the school asked me for a portrait of Herzl to hang in their auditorium, which is there on one side of the auditorium is Herzl. On the other side of the auditorium is a portrait of Martin Luther King. And I, you can, our radio listeners can't see this, but I wear this bracelet that I prepared uh, to hand out to the students at the school to show the similarity between these visions. Herzl, if you will it, it is not a dream. Imtertu Enzo Agada and Dr. King, I have a dream. Right. And uh, through this initiative, there have been connections made between the Jewish community of Chicago and the kids in the Herzl School. Uh, Temple Beth Israel in Skokie for two years has arranged to buy Christmas presents for all of the kids in the school. Mm. Uh, Last year, I organized a bus tour. So the kids of the Herzl School and the kids from Temple Beth Israel went on a bus tour of their community. To, of, of the North Lawndale community 
to see the the Jewish sites of interest there. There were the synagogues are obvious to us. The the churches there were obviously synagogues. That was Heimer. Schneeluchot Habrit and Magen Davids, but the Herzl kids didn't know, and they they developed an appreciation for the history. And this year, May third, um, I've arranged for the students of the Herzl School to to come to the Skokie Holocaust Museum uh, the day after Yom Hashoah on May 3rd uh, to study together with the kids of Temple Beth Israel. I call it Herzl magic. Herzl as, as, the, as the way to bring communities together. And it's one thing for us to talk amongst ourselves about the importance of Herzl, even though many of, the, many of people in our community don't know about Herzl. But it's also a message that resonates for everyone the idea of having the idea of having an idea and working towards it and life can be better we're not saddled with the conditions that we're born into or that have been around in our history for hundreds of years we can do something about it to change it that's the lesson of herzl david matlow in our studio um, do you have the largest herzl collection are there other herzl collections that you're aware of there is a there is a collection in the zionist archives a gentleman manfred anson who lived in Bergenfield, New Jersey, who was my role model and mentor, even though I, I met him only once. He had a large collection, which he uh, donated to the Zionist Archives in Jerusalem before he uh, passed away, sadly, a, a few years ago. Um, I believe I have the world's largest collection. I'm not the only collector, because, and I know that because when I bid on items at auction, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the only bidder, I can tell. I believe I have the largest, and I'm the most out there. I've made a uh, a philosophical decision to go out there to talk about the collection, to exhibit it, to have people come to my home to see it, to put it in a book. There's a documentary film about it called My Herzl, which I did a few years ago. If you Google my name, um, um, you'll see stories and and videos about my collection and sometimes if you google my name a picture of Herzl comes up <laughs> so I take that as a huge compliment and um, and uh, we should mention that again if if there is a curator out there or somebody from a prominent or maybe not so prominent uh, museum or JCC or, or again places that normally will exhibit things especially vis-a-vis the Jewish community you're more than anxious to hear from them how would someone reach you? So I'm a lawyer at the law firm of Goodman's in Toronto. If you Google my name and Goodman's, my bio will will come up and my email address will come up as well. Um, one of the greatest favors that anyone has ever done for us here at the Nahum Siegel Network is uh, I was touring your incredible collection in your home. And after having seen certainly, I don't know, hundreds if not thousands of items in a very, very short period of time, unfortunately... Uh, I said to you, there was one item that of all the items that I saw, there was one that I would love to have. And you can imagine how many of them spoke to me. And that was the um, uh, the small figurine of Herzl on the balcony of the Three Kings Hotel in Basel, which was in what year that he was uh, there at that hotel? That portrait was taken in 1901, but he was at the Three Kings Hotel for five of the six Zionist Congresses that he was alive for, so could starting be, in 1897. Could be the most iconic image of Herzl. Him on the porch over the, which river is that? It is 
Is it the the Rhine? It's the it's the Rhine. Yes. And you went ahead with your family for a milestone birthday and actually stood on that same balcony that Herzl stood, uh, where Herzl stood, and this happened back in 2010, right? That's correct. My 50th birthday celebration just gives an indication of how crazy I am and how crazy my family and friends are. Is I ha- I invited people to my 50th birthday party at the Three Kings Hotel in Basel, Switzerland. None of us are Swiss, and and so I have a, 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 a sister and brother-in-law and four nieces who live in Jerusalem, and they came. And the rest of us came. There were 27 of us in the hotel, in the Three Kings Hotel. And in fact, there is the Herzl room. The precise room where Herzl stayed at is is you can um, you can request or, you can request that room. There's a plaque of Herzl there, and we had that as our hospitality suite. And we thought that Herzl would be proud to have young and old people hanging around the room he once slept in celebrating my milestone birthday. And you got to lean over that same balcony that Correct. he leaned over uh, many decades earlier. Correct. And that was the impetus of the film My Herzl. It starts with that. And I, I think it's on YouTube. Um, none of this is a financial enterprise right. for me. Uh, and so, <laughs> if anything, you've lost plenty of money. <laughs> well, I... I, I they're, they're, invested. Invested exactly. plenty of money. The compensation <laughs> comes in different ways. And, and it's also on Vimeo. So if people wish to watch it, uh, they're welcome to. Is Herzl's name prominent on eBay? Like on a regular basis, if you search him, you'll find stuff? If you Google Herzl, uh, if, if you put Herzl's name on eBay, yes, there's several hundred items at any one time. Most time. of which you already own, if Correct. not all of them. It's, it's hard now to find anything. And just to finish my thought, when I did say to you and express to you of all the items I saw, including the Herzl hockey uh, what's it called? The Herzl Cup, right? Which you Herzl, have. A, Herzl, what is it? A little figurine? A bobblehead. Herzl, a bobblehead, right? The Herzl Cup, which still takes place or not? The Herzl Cup. It's now It's now just an idea. We're getting too old to play road hockey. <laughs> so with all the items I saw, the one that really spoke to me was the figurine of Herzl overlooking the uh, uh, the river on the um, at the Three Kings Hotel. Right. And sure enough, you reached into a drawer in your home and you pulled out an extra one of these, which we have prominently had in our studio since Fantastic. that day that we met. And uh, it's just amazing. Back at the Fifth Zionist Congress, 1901, uh, again, the iconic image of Herzl, in this case, in a beautiful figurine that uh, that really speaks to those who, like myself, consider ourselves Zionists. And 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 what Nakum is showing is, is, is something that's available in many gift and souvenir stores in Israel uh, it's made by a, uh, a young man named Asaf Harari, who I met because he posted that on on Facebook, and he has a series of Zionist action figures. That's the first one. <laughs> there's a Moshe Dayan, there's a Yitzchak Rabin, there's a Jabotinsky, and a and a Golden, of course, a David Ben Gurion, and um, they call it Kavod. That's right. What an amazing him. thing to do. Exactly. Only helps spread the history of uh, Zionism in Israel. Uh, David Matlow, the official book is called Collecting the Dream. It is uh, about the largest uh, collection of Herzl memorabilia. I, again, uh, David Matlow, M-A-T-L-O-W. You said you're with which law firm? In Goodman's. Your, Goodman's Law Firm. If you are part of the uh, the curating team, uh, the, if you are part of, the, uh, of those who make decisions about what exhibits to bring uh, to your town in North America... Uh, consider contacting David Matlow 
and having his amazing largest Herzl exhibition or uh, exhibit rather uh, in your facility. It is certainly worthwhile and something that will uh, uh, be spoken about for many, many years to come. Uh, this has been great. I thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much for having me. And you've done something that's uh, very inspiring, something that really has uh, touched a lot of people, and I pray will touch a lot more as uh, as this collection becomes more well-known. I-, I hope so. That's If you will it, it is no dream. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Quoting one of the greats. David Matlow on a special Monday morning edition of JM in the AM. <laughs>